This is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerialist podcast. How's it going, guys? Hope you're having a wonderful day. Before we get started, I'm so excited because my pre-launch of Silks Level 1 teacher training in person, Los Angeles, June 24th and 25th is now open for applications. Um, I'm so excited to meet you guys in person. Um, The program is really focused more like a Pilates certification structure where I'm really going to try to make you... um, classroom ready with two days in person and six hours of zoom the month before it is jam-packed i'm working on the textbook right now i'm at about i don't know 60 70 pages it is a beast but i'm so excited to share it with you guys and then also some of the free resources on my website just go check there the show links have that and today we have Dr. Elliot Berlin. He is an award-winning prenatal chiropractor. He's a childbirth educator, labor support, body worker, and the co-founder of Berlin Wellness Group here in Los Angeles. And um, he's also got this podcast called The Informed Pregnancy, uh, where he delivers unbiased information about pregnancy and childbirth, you know, aimed to empowering you ladies out there. So... I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview. Let's get started. My name is Elliot Berlin. I'm a pregnancy-focused chiropractor, and my uniqueness really started by combining massage and chiropractic together uh, to form sort of chirosage and uh, addressing the musculoskeletal system from both sides, the muscular and the skeletal, and that kind of transformed into a lot of pregnancy and postpartum work, although we work on anybody who would benefit from that combination. We have a practice in Los Angeles, California. I say we because my wife, who is a perinatal psychologist, works together with me. And uh, we have other practitioners like acupuncturists, physical therapists, and craniopsychotherapists who also work with us. And outside of that, we have this project called Informed Pregnancy. Our whole mission is to kind of collect and distribute information about choices that come up during pregnancy, birth, postpartum parenting, so that uh, people could be in an empowered place of making informed choices. That's uh, me in a nutshell. I love this. And I saw that on your bio. I was like, oh, I should get your wife on here too. Oh, yeah. She'd be happy to. She's very passionate about what she does and very good at it. Okay, so first thing I wanted to ask is from your prenatal women, what are the things pain? What, what is the type of pain that you see uh, coming into your office and how do you make it better? Okay, so the most common, the one we see multiple times every day during pregnancy is sciatica. And it's more of a sciatica of pregnancy. So classical sciatica you kind of feel it in your back maybe but really going down your leg all the way to the toes it's the most common presentation of typical sciatica but during pregnancy a much more common presentation is when it's in the upper outer glute in the buttock 
and it's really it can be quite sharp and uncomfortable there and it may radiate down usually just a couple of inches sometimes all the way down to the knee and that's happening from compression not of the nerve root in the lower back that goes all the way down the leg but lower down in the upper outer glute where the piriformis muscle sometimes presses into the sciatic nerve and it's compressing that outer bundle making it very uncomfortable locally the remedy for it is pretty basic if that's the mechanism that's happening we just uh, have to loosen up the muscle the piriformis muscle maybe some of the glutes that are compressing that nerve and once the pressure's off and stays off for a little bit uh, the pain goes away and what is it about the pregnancy that causes that so often? So I, I think that for a lot of people, it's a new sleep position. Ah, okay. So people are used to sleeping on their back or belly and all of a sudden relegated to only side options, um, especially if they get the advice to sleep on one side the whole pregnancy. It's uh, sort of has been common for practitioners to say to just sleep on your left side the whole time. Yeah, I heard that too when I was pregnant and I was like... Yeah, that's a great advice, I think, for chiropractors. That's very helpful for chiropractors. If you, Especially if you're not really a, a side sleeper and now you have to sleep on your side. If you spend your whole time just on one side it's going to create an imbalance that um, is going to have you uncomfortable. And so we end up, that's why so many people come in. But, uh, you know, even, even if you're used to sleeping on your side, maybe sleeping just on one side, or as you start to sort of put on pregnancy weight, that's a lot more pressure on that hip and the muscle tenses up and hits the nerve. And sciatica itself, um, my experience, I don't, I don't have sciatica myself, but my experience with working with my own clients is that sciatica is really tricky. It feels like, like pregnant or non-pregnant, it feels like there could be so many different reasons that you're feeling that way. Right. How do you mean? Yeah. Uh, like getting down to the source of the problem. It's wonderful that you know the source of the problem for pregnancy, because I think that a lot of times women, they have sciatica and they just don't know which way to come at it. Um, and so releasing that piriformis is important. Are you doing any adjustments with the skeletal system that help that? Is is it a... Yeah, so our our whole idea is that you don't have a muscular system in a vacuum from the skeletal system. You have a deeply intertwined musculoskeletal system. And traditionally, you have massage therapists uh, and other professions like them who address the soft tissue. When the muscles and tendons are unhappy, they become dysfunctionally short, stiff, and tight, and they start to pull dysfunctionally on the two things that they're attached to usually they attach a muscle to a bone or a bone to a bone and they're pulling those things too close together or they'll compress something underneath them that runs the span of that particular soft tissue so a tight tendon or muscle pushing into something underneath it just like the piriformis does with the sciatic nerve uh, and it's usually that the soft tissue therapists that work on that but then they're connecting two bones together most commonly. And so those bones where they, where they come up to another bone should have really good fluid movement between them. 
Sometimes that movement becomes restricted or completely locked up, and it's usually the chiropractors or professions like those that address manipulation of the bones to restore motion at restricted joints. Our unique thing is that we put them together. So we first get in there, use some medium to deep tissue, more like a clinical massage to loosen it up and uh, restore normal length and tone to the soft tissue, the muscles and tendons. And then afterwards, if the joints aren't moving well, we do the adjustment as well. How about the round ligament? I know that I had that pain when I was pregnant. Round ligament pain. So I think it's important to understand what the round ligaments do, and it gives you a better idea of why they sometimes hurt and how you can remedy them and also not be too worried that something's going wrong. So ligaments in the body connect two things together and they stabilize them, they're stabilizers. Usually they're connecting two bones, a bone to a bone, and it's like a piece of rubber band material that only goes so far and it keeps the joint stable. But uh, in the case of the round ligaments, it's not two bones, it's connecting the uterus to the area around the pubic bone, the corners of the pubic bone. And uh, it has a really interesting job because it's got to be able to stabilize the uterus and not let it swing around too much, but at the same time, allow that uterus to grow like 60 to 100 times its original size. So how does it do both of those? Uh, The round ligaments are very loose as far as ligaments go. But unlike most ligaments in the body, they have muscle fibers running through them. And so the looseness allows that uterus to grow and grow and grow. But there are sensors. If the muscle fibers are detect that there's a, a rapid movement, then they'll tense up. They'll almost go into spasm sometimes, but they'll tense up and make those ligaments really taut so that they prevent the uterus from swinging around too much and they protect your baby. But that can feel like a real intense spasm or cramp. And um, so they tend to happen they, uh, one side at a time. There's a, one on each side, right and left. And uh, it can be a really sharp pain that happens. Maybe if you get up too quickly or if the baby kicks and there's a rapid movement from the inside, they'll go into spasm. And so it can present as a really sharp pain that sometimes sends people to the hospital thinking something's terribly wrong, but it's just a round ligament spasm. Uh, and then sometimes it's just a continued dull pain. They tend to get more sensitive when there's a big change in the belly. So when you pop, um, and sometimes when you're very fit, you pop later. So you don't really, in a first pregnancy, especially you don't really show very early. Um, but then when you do, it's just like, all of a sudden there it is. And that rapid, you know, showing that growth of the belly, uh, sometimes makes those round ligaments pretty uh, touchy, sensitive, and reactive. And uh, that happens again each time there's like a, a big change in the belly, sometimes again towards the third trimester. So you might find it uh, when you roll over in bed, you might find it when you're walking, or if you make a quick movement, or if the baby moves quickly from the inside. No, it's muscle fibers. So to release that intensity, you you would do the same thing as you do for other muscle spasms, like trying to stretch those muscle fibers in the round ligament or massage them out gently. And it does tend to be pretty effective. So you actually go in there with your fingers and try to stretch it going inwards, like a massage? Uh, I'll start, yeah, I'll start at the corner of the 
of the upper outer pubic bone so you can find it and then very gently they're not too deep under the surface very gently either massage them out until they relax uh, or get right into the middle if they're in a spasm get into the middle of it and lightly stretch it up from like foot to head not not down like deep into the body from front to back so um, my patient will be laying on their back in a semi-reclining position and will be gently stretching those ligaments up and then if they take a deep breath there's a nice good stretch of the muscle fibers in the round ligament usually after 60 or 90 seconds if there's an intense spasm it'll just relax and then we'll massage it out a little more to make them a little bit less overreactive Oh, that would have been nice during my pregnancies. <laughs> so much of this that I'm learning is after Ed. I'm like, oh, I could have uh, used that. Um, well, Carrie, at least you're doing this so other people could learn. I before. know, I know. Um, so for me, my rib cage and my hips are pretty close together. Like I, I do not have a long torso, unfortunately. So I felt like my baby kind of left, lived on the outside of my body for, uh, mm. you know, third trimester for sure. Wow. Um, okay. What a description. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just didn't feel like there was very much of a, a space there. This is so interesting with so many different women because then I have friends with long torsos and I was lucky because she didn't really sit under my rib cage, but I know a lot of women that they're having a lot of pain um, because the baby's kicking their bottom ribs. Um, they're just having to make space there. How do you deal with that? Yeah. Because I, I don't know how one deals with that. I had a patient recently who I think was five feet even and pregnant with twins. Ooh. And uh, yeah, you could say that a couple more times. <laughs> um, and by 30 weeks, she was plumb out of space. She um, would come into the office so two or three times a week just to have the ribs worked out so she can breathe for a little while. And, um, you know, the issue is not just really the foot underneath there kicking into it. That can make anybody uncomfortable. It can You can even sort of get a, a bruise of the rib itself or the soft tissue around it, um, even if there's tons of space under there. But what happens more with the short torso as you run out of room is that the ribs themselves start to compress. So between every two ribs, there's a nerve, an intercostal nerve, costal are ribs, so the nerve between ribs, and you have some muscles connecting those ribs. And anything that really starts to compress the spaces between the ribs will start to encroach on that nerve. And when you have nerve compression, that's very, very sharp, uncomfortable pain. So that's how it usually presents in the office. And what can make it a little bit worse is if you have any kind of um, curve in the spine that's not really supposed to be there. So like a little scoliosis to one side or the other, that means the ribs are really getting compressed on one side anyway, if it's like a mid-back scoliosis. Um, and then this compression makes it a lot worse as the baby grows up. And other things that will make it worse will be um, eating a big meal because that also encroaches on the space or sitting or standing for a long period of time. And in fact, at the end of pregnancy, when somebody's having that kind of rib compression, um, I always recommend, look, what we do for it is massage it out. We try to relax any excess tension 
in between the ribs all the way from the front to the back. So from where they attach sort of to the angle of the rib or to the sternum, all the way through to the back where they attach to the vertebra um, as much as we can get to uh, relatively comfortably. And that does, and then we adjust. We can adjust where the rib meets the vertebra. And if any restriction is there releases, you're going to be able to breathe easier and have less pain and less pressure on those nerves. But at the end, it sometimes gets so intense that really the only remedy is not being in the line of gravity for too long. So sitting at a desk or standing for a long period of time, like for every two hours or so of that, I would recommend laying down and getting gravity off, doing a stretch every hour to open the rib cage, and then laying down to, to kind of let everything breathe. It can get pretty intense at the end. You know, it reminds me of, well, it's my generation. I'm not sure how old you are, but the movies, twi the Twilight movies with the yeah. vampire chick, it just m reminds me of when she was pregnant <laughs> the baby was like beating her up from the inside. That's what it makes me think of. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. That's how people describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry for that tangent. So I can imagine because two things. Rib and chest soft tissue massage is so uncomfortable to me. Like, especially because this aerialist population, we use a lot of our pec muscles. We use a lot of our rib cage front and back to do what we do. I mean, when I go into my clients, like they are, they are screaming off the floor just with the intercostal massage. So I, if you could... Talk about how you managed to do this with your pregnant clients. And then, sorry, mom brain, mom brain. It's real. Are you a dad? Do you have? Do you yeah, have I got four kids. Oh, so you must have it too. Yeah, and I hang out with uh, pregnant people all day. So <laughs> I think it's an occupational hazard. Uh, I'll think about what I was meaning to ask you. But if you could talk about how you managed to do this, this intercostal yeah. massage on your ladies. Yeah, it's not the um, it's not the most comfortable thing. You know, not everybody wants to have it done, um, and that's you know that's okay too. If, if it gets painful enough, then usually people want to do it. So um, we have a little bit of help. We have the luxury of equipment that um, that helps with the positioning. So if we're working on the back and sides of the ribs, we have tables with uh, belly cutouts in them that grow while you grow so there's the you know sort of the first trimester first 10 weeks you don't really need anything but then there's a, a smaller pillow that gets you kind of like till 20 weeks and then a, a bigger pillow that gets you more than like 28 weeks and then the biggest pillow that gets you all the way to the end as long as you're comfortable laying on there we s see people face down all the way to the end of pregnancy um, on these pillows. So that allows me more comfortable access to the back and sides. For the front, what we're doing is we have a table that is semi-reclining. So we can put it at different angles, depending on what we're trying to get to. And so like, let's say I'm working the lower ribs, the most common area that that hurts people um, is the lower ribs, like under under the breast down. And so we'll have her kind of put that arm all the way up to open up the rib cage as much as we can. 
Sometimes we'll heat it first because the, the muscles in there are in spasm, and that sort of helps desensitize them a little bit. Then it's a, it's a slow approach. We kind of start the massage uh, lighter, constantly checking in about the pressure and comfort in general. And then once they those muscles start to relax a little bit, we'll go deeper. But if the client is relaxed, the although it's uncomfortable, it's never nobody's like, oh, that feels amazing in terms of it actually feels good. But they do sometimes say it feels amazing because they feel it releasing what's really causing their problem for them. But if they're relaxed enough in mind and body, then it's very tolerable. It's not the most comfortable thing, but it's very tolerable. And um, if it works, then they, you know, they want to come back for it whenever it starts to become an issue again. Yeah. So they'll, they'll go through it because it's worth it. Yeah, they go through it because it's worth it. And it's, uh, you know, it's intensity for a good cause. I think aerialists must, you know, endure intensity for a good cause all the time, yeah. you know, pushing yourself through things that are uncomfortable because of uh, of the goal that you're trying to get to. And uh, working in those ribs is, is sort of just like that. How often do you see the pregnancy causing subluxation of the mommy, ribs? Mommy. You know, it's uh, it's hard to tell if pregnancy is causing it or or pregnancy is highlighting it. Um ribs go out it's it you know when a true subluxation of the rib when the rib goes out and you take a deep breath and it hurts uh not really the most common thing i see them on a regular basis because we see so much pregnancy but uh things like the sciatica or that nerve pain between the rib you know where the muscles are getting compressed that and the nerve is getting compressed that's that's much more common Rib subluxations in my population are so common because of the muscular. Mommy, mommy, mommy. Hey. I want you. I know, but you know what? I'm doing a podcast. We talked about this. No. <laughs> she's she's uh, my co-host. She's on the podcast all oh. the time because she is impatient for me to be finished. Um, Carrie and Bean. Yes, mommy, Carrie and Bean. Mommy, mommy. Can you let me ask my next question? No. <laughs> When you do see that, what is, what do you um, suggest to your clients? Because most of all, I always think to myself, we've got to stabilize it. And after we stabilize it, it will happen less. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, I, I look at all of the musculoskeletal stuff as kind of duct tape and WD-40. So I am definitely wd-40 i look at things that are too stiff tight restricted not moving well enough static rather than dynamic um, loss of function and i try to um, restore normal function normal length normal tone i try to release things that are too stuck um, the other side of that coin is duct tape and that's really going in and finding things that are unstable that are weak areas of weak or imbalance where one side's weak compared to its counterpart and um, stabilizing or strengthening those things. Um, we don't do that much of that. Um, our chiropractors don't, we do physical therapy also and the, and the physical therapists do more of that. Um, but that combination is, is the winning combination, I believe for most musculoskeletal dysfunction and discomfort. And so absolutely. If you have a, a rib that keeps popping out, um, then we want to, we kind of want to 
take the things that are pulling too hard on that rib that are too tight and pulling on it and release them. And we want to take the things that are supposed to be there, stabilizing it, strengthening it, and preventing it from moving out and make sure that those are strong enough. Okay. Um, the other thing that I hear a lot of women uh, struggle with, I did not per personally, but uh, pubic symphysis. So in the, in the front, uh, do you come across this? Um, can you talk about it? Some, some of my listeners might not understand what that might feel like. Um, think of women who aren't pregnant yet. And so they know what they're getting into possibly. If you want to talk about that pubic totally. synthesis pain. Pubic symphysis pain or pubic symphysis dysfunction um, happens. Um, it's uh, it's uh, a, sim a symptom that comes up pretty regularly. Uh, again, not the most common, not like sciatica, but we see several cases a week. And so uh, rather than sciatica, which is several cases a day. But uh, that, and there's different presentations of it with different mechanisms causing them. So this is one of those things that's under the category of dysfunctions in the body that you don't know about because your body can compensate really well for them while you're not pregnant. But then during the pregnancy, for multiple reasons, they are highlighted, they come to the surface. In this case, your, your pubic bone has a right and left bone connected by pubic symphysis cartilage. Part of the job of that cartilage is stability, holding everything together. And then you have a lot attaching to those pelvic bones, those pubic bones. Um, the adductors coming up on the inside of the leg are, are notable in their attachments there. And so if you have an imbalance between the right and left, and the ligaments can hold everything together nice and stable despite the imbalance, but then you get pregnant and start making these relaxation hormones of pregnancy, and the ligamentous tissue there can't hold things together the same way, you're going to start to feel the imbalance. And uh, the way that manifests itself typically is pain. And in particular, pain uh, when you engage those muscles. And also if you haven't been moving for a while. So like if you're laying in bed and you haven't been moving and then all of a sudden you engage those muscles, like to just go roll over to the other side that's when you'll start to feel like a, a fairly sharp pain underneath the pubic bone. And uh, other times are like if you separate your legs to, let's say, get out of bed one leg at a time or to lift one leg to put on pants or to get out of the car, those when you start to feel that sharpness around, especially the lower side of your pubic bone, that's the typical presentation that we see of pubic symphysis dysfunction. There's another one that's a little bit more in the center of the pubic bone, like higher up and literally right in the center. And if you were to touch it, it's a, a one spot that's just super tender. That is more of an inflammation of the pubic symphysis cartilage. Um, when it comes to the more classic presentation under the pubic bone, the remedy is to create balance, restrict pull and create balance between the adductors pulling on the right side and the left side of the pubic bones. So it's, it's again, uncomfortable massage, deep massage from just under the pubic bone down the inside of the leg, the adductors, um, especially the top half, but really all the way down to the inner knee. And uh, a, a trigger point to release 
where the tendon is pulling on the bone itself, where the tendon connects to the bone itself, a deep trigger point. And uh, usually when we do it, there's a little test you can do to, to kind of sense for that dysfunction where you're laying on your back, your knees are up, your feet are down, and you just gently pull the knees apart against resistance. So the patient's resisting you a little bit. You you pull the knees apart and you engage those muscles. And right when you do it, there's a sharp pain. It's usually much more prominent on one side versus the other. And then when we do the massage and we do the trigger point and test it again, if we're hitting the right thing, it's usually notably better instantly. It's one of those things like a rib also that improves immediately. Um, now it could come back and there are some exercises we give them to do regularly throughout the rest of the pregnancy, but um, it it is very therapeutic and uh, curative for that condition. Mommy! Yes. She says to me, you have a jelly belly. She says, it's so squishy. And I say, you're hurting my feelings. You're hurting my feelings. And I told her, you have to say, mama, you're ripped. (laughs) No, it's not a jelly belly. Be nice to me, please. No. Hey, can I finish? Can I finish the interview? No, mom. Oh, I love that you brought up relaxing because (laughs) it's such a, it's such a, what's the word? It's like people are intrigued by how much more flexibility we can feel during the pregnancy because I got a bunch of ladies who love doing splits and straddles and, and stretching their joints, but then it can cause some real problems. Um, as you talked about pubic symphysis pain. Um, now these women who you're working on their inner thigh muscles to release that, are they also feeling really tight in their inner thighs or is it, is it not related? You know, is it not that obvious? Great question. Sometimes. Yes. Uh, I would say more of the times. Okay. Yeah. Not until we do that test and then like, oh, it's pulling right there. But um, sometimes, yes, but not always. And I think more often than not, no. And is it weak and tight? So that's what happens, right? The ligaments become weak and unstable. And the tightness of the tendons or muscles pulling on that joint, that that vulnerable joint, uh, create the dysfunction and the pain and that only gets worse with the again the weight gain so s- sitting on top of it and and putting more pressure on there so there is a tightness and a weakness but the weakness is um it, it could be some of the pelvic muscles could be strengthened to help stabilize but the weakness is temporary and artificial for the most part from the relaxation hormones of the pregnancy and so sometimes we'll just use garments to create stability until the pregnancy's over. And then a few weeks after the pregnancy starts to go away by itself. So how does relaxin play into all of these scenarios? Is is it is it playing a huge part? Is is that creating all this in- instability? So uh, my experience is that if you have the instability to begin with, you have the imbalance, sorry, not the instability. If you have the imbalance to begin with, then once the ligaments start to become loose, you feel the imbalance. You feel the effect that it has on your body. But when the ligaments are stable and strong, then it can compensate 
for that imbalance. So that's really what's happening. It's sort of like if you have little cuts in your skin and you jump into salt water and you feel ouch that you didn't feel before, it's not really the salt water causing the problem. It's just highlighting the problem. And so these are muscular imbalances that you have. And then when the relaxing kicks in and you can't compensate for it as well, then you start to feel them. What would you say to those ladies who are like, oh, I'm bendy. I'm bendy now. I want to use it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Proceed with caution. It's, uh, you know, even in, in chiropractic and when we're doing assisted stretching, we're extra careful because with a little bit less stability for a good cause, um, you're more prone to injury. Do you work um, postpartum? A ton of postpartum work. So, um, you know, one of my favorite things to do, because our sessions are long, they're not like typical chiropractic, uh, a typical session with me is about a half an hour long, um, and sometimes an hour. And um, one of my favorite things to do is postpartum, a longer session, an extended session, where it's sort of a mix between musculoskeletal work, like that WD-40 work that I do, loosening up things that are tight, especially if there was some kind of injury during the birth. Um, sometimes that's when ribs pop out or an injury to a tailbone, pubic bone, something like that. Um, so it's the musculoskeletal work combined with lymphatic work to help pick up all the debris and fluid and get that moving out of the body and central nervous system relaxation work. And after the baby comes, there's a lot of activity going on for the central nervous system. And if you're able to take a little time for yourself and to kind of bring that all down and let your body know that it's a intense time, but not a bad time, that you're not being chased by a tiger, then um, you tend to start to feel a lot better in mind, body, and spirit, and even have more energy for the tasks at hand. How do you calm down the central nervous system yeah. exactly? So we do cranial sacral work, which is calming to the brain and spinal cord. We do reflexology on the hands and feet. We do abdominal massage, very light, gentle abdominal massage. It's part of the lymphatic, uh, which for people who are comfortable with abdominal massage is extremely relaxation, relaxing to the central nervous system because you have as many nerves in that area, the enteric nervous system, as you do in the entire rest of the body. So it's the opposite effect of when you feel anxious and you get butterflies in your stomach. This is calming all those nerves around that area to have a calming effect on the rest of your nervous system. And is this tied in with like the gut going back to where it's supposed to? Um, it's it's more about the fluid. Okay. The excess fluid that builds up in there and helping bring some of that fluid out. That's the lymphatic element. And how about that? Like the gut, like it's always blown my mind. The gut gets shoved up, right? When when you're pregnant, baby comes out, and then it's supposed to just fall back into place. Well, it's it's also orchestrated, you know, by not just the endocrine system, the hormones, but also the lymphatic and circulatory systems and the nervous system. So there's a lot of programming in there, but 
you know essentially yes the the body the woman's body is incredible in what it's programmed to do to grow a baby in there to i mean just think about the fact that you make an extra organ a human organ the placenta to be the control and command center and supply the growing baby with everything they need to survive and then you eject that afterwards so there's this incredible wisdom and tools and systems built into the body that allow it to grow and nurture a baby and then afterwards kind of morph back into how it was beforehand. I mean, uh, very simplistically, it's like an elevator with doors that open, somebody gets out and they close back up. Dr. Elliot, if you could talk about the pelvic floor do you have any advice for our ladies who might be too tight and then they're going into, you know, for me too, like I type pelvic floor and then I, I'm going into labor. I'm like, what is this going to be? I ended up having a C-section, gratefully. Uh, to me, it was I was grateful for it. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I have some thoughts on it. So, um I'm I'm an outdoorsy kind of guy. So all of my work is external. Um, and the one group of muscles that I can't get to is those pelvic floor muscles that run from behind your pubic bone to the front of your tailbone. And they create a hammock. And that hammock has a support role for all of the pel pelvic organs, rectum, uterus, bladder. And um, it can create problems if the muscles too tight and it can create problems if the muscles too weak the one that most people talk about is weak pelvic floor and so the recommendation is to do all these kegel exercises to try to strengthen it up however if you're already hypertonic if you're already too tight in the pelvic floor muscles doing the kegel exercises will make it worse and really as far as i know the only way to tell is to have a pelvic floor evaluation and there are more and more pelvic health physical therapists coming on the scene uh, who are trained as a specialty adjunct on top of their regular uh, physical therapy training to assess and work on pelvic floor. And guess what? Sometimes part of the pelvic floor is hypertonic, too tight, and part of it is too weak. Uh, and the parts that are too tight, the hypertonic elements, the only thing I know of that really works is the manual work that they do to release it, just like we massage muscles on the outside that are too tight and stretch them and release them. They do that with the pelvic floor muscles, but they can only really be accessed internally, so from the lower third of the vagina. Now, um, again, you can't really know, I don't think, without doing an evaluation. Sometimes you have symptoms that will tip you off, like um, if it's hard to, if you start to lose urine, like a urinary incontinence, even if it's just a few drops that you're not typical for you, um, or pain during urination or pain during intercourse or after intercourse. Those are all signs that maybe something's up, but what I do find with athletes is, and athletic women, is that if in general the whole picture of muscles and tendons around the low back, hips, and pelvis are very strong, but also very tight, that combination of strong and tight creates a dysfunctional, you know, rigidity a staticness to where you should have a lot of fluidity, a lot of motion. Your pelvic 
bone is not one big bone. It's a bunch of bones connected by ligaments and cartilage. And it should be able to expand and contract and accommodate, if not facilitate, the movements of the baby to help the baby get into a good position before labor starts and as the baby moves down your pelvis during birth. And if those muscles are too stiff, tight, and rigid, the outside ones, and also those internal pelvic floor muscles, then my observation is it's harder for the babies to maneuver into a great position, and it's harder for them sometimes to move through your body. Now, there are definitely exceptions to that rule. I've worked on people who are, who are like, I break my fingers trying to massage them. They're like concrete. They're so strong. Um, Olympian um, competitors and uh, people who just worked out their whole lives that are just so strong that even a little tightness creates rigidity, but they their babies just slide out easily. And generally, it seems like that happens if the baby's in a really great position, lined up with the runway really well. Then all of the benefits of having that strength come in handy, the endurance and the ability to push and, and sometimes the flexibility, being able to get into different positions, uh, comes in really handy. But when it's strong and tight and the baby's not quite in a great position, that seems to cause difficulties um and i think as a result kind of lends to more cesarean births in that population i got yeah burn. you're talking about me that's what happened I got bumped. oh you got a burn you wanted I to show bumped. dr elliot your burn Ooh, yeah. should i blow on it so it feels better there you go there you go okay one last thing i like to i like to ask my uh I'm going to start asking all my practitioners this question. So um, are there any reasons women should be afraid of having sex during pregnancy when it comes to your side of things, the, the musculoskeletal? Oh, from the musculoskeletal alone? Not that I know of. I mean, it's not really my, my area, but um, I don't see people coming in with injuries from sex during pregnancy that's not that's not something i see i mean i could think of a handful um over 20 that's years, good to know but it's yeah it's not really something that i see that's good to know because uh i think there's some fear around it but not necessarily uh uh based on any real real evidence or anecdotal evidence um yeah so if you were to Give any advice to the ladies out there who are pregnant um, if they're feeling pain. Uh, sometimes hard to know how to come at things, you know, who they should see, if they should get a massage, if they should stop working out, um, you know, because the our OBGYNs aren't really trained to help us in that way, it seems. Right. So a uh, standard answer generally is, oh, that's pregnancy. Just deal with it. Um, and a lot of times there's stuff you can do, whether it's pain and discomfort, whether it's functional issues like the baby's positioning or preparing for birth. Um, it's interesting what you said about birth because there's this whole area called pelvimetry where they measure, they try to measure the baby's head in the in the pelvic outlet, the woman's pelvic outlet and see, you know, is this baby going to fit or not? Um, and pelvic, pelvimetry is no reliably uh, unreliable. Yeah. It's notoriously unreliable. Well, like... To the extent that the American Academy of Family Physicians recommends not even doing it, because the only way you'll know if a baby will, can come out is to try. And the reason for that is in the pelvimetry, they're looking at 
at, at structure, mm. anatomy. How big is this head? How big is this pelvic bone opening? But what they're not looking at is function, physiology. And there's a lot of function involved in birth. The baby's head is not fused together. It's a bunch of bones that are not fused. And so a 14 centimeter head can mold in on itself and come through a much smaller space if it's functional. And same for that pelvis. That pelvis may be narrow, but it should be able to open up to expand and contract and move the baby and open up and allow the baby to transmit through or help the baby transmit through if it's very functional. So that's a, that's a big key is that functionality. It's important. And, and there's pros and cons to everything. Uh, being strong has tremendous pros to it. Being tight and strong has some significant cons to it. But look, I can always get rid of tension. I can't build strength. So if you're strong and tight and you come in, we can kind of sometimes move you from the type of birth that uh, as a doula, I'm I'm nervous to go into those very, very strong tight pelvises because I know they're going to take a long time typically um, and, uh, you know, just really require a lot of effort and patience to get through. Um, and sometimes the doctor or provider doesn't have that kind of patience and sometimes mom doesn't. Um, but we can move from there to what I think is the best way to go in birth with with all that strength and not being tight. And then you just have the advantage of the strength and the babies come out really nicely, smoothly. Um, so that's one piece. But what you said, Carrie, is really important is there's so much information and, and question and um, the resources are sometimes lacking or not accessible to everybody. And so... What we've tried to do around that is the whole crux of the Informed Pregnancy pro Project, which is the podcast, Informed Pregnancy podcast that we have. I mean, if you search the library, we have 350 episodes at this point and uh, all these different experts that come and talk about their area of expertise and birth stories. We record before and after birth stories. So while someone's pregnant, we kind of find out what their plans are for birth. And then after the baby arrives, we find out how it went and we try to learn as much as we can um, about the things that even she could only learn from going through the experience. And we try to share that on the blog. We have lots of things that cover what you're talking about. How do you know what aches and pains mean? What needs to be addressed or not addressed and who's best to address them. And our most recent baby, our own little baby is informed pregnancy plus, which is at informedpregnancy.tv. It's a video streaming site where we're going to really be able to compile even more powerful information video presented in the areas where people consume video the most on the web on apps for apple android and roku they're all live already but it's documentaries with information it's web series with information it's uh mind and body stuff exercises like yoga and prenatal workouts postpartum workouts meditations and we're adding new stuff every day and the idea is to try to make it easy for people, especially who don't have, you know, five yoga classes in their neighborhood uh, or a prenatal chiropractor in their neighborhood to kind of get the kind of information that they need, even though it's not easily accessible to them locally. And then to use that information to get the resources that they need for healthy mind, body, and baby. I love this. And I will uh, link all that in the show notes for, for you guys out there. Uh, especially you guys who are not in big cities and you're kind of, you know, 
you're in, in more isolated towns out there. So you can find these online, you know, uh, resources for you and be able to learn from them. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, you just, you figured it out. Are you done? Yeah, we're figuring it out. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're, oh, you want more strawberries? Okay. I love it. Uh, thank you for your time. I'm glad you got to meet a bean. Hi, Bean. Thank you for having me. Ah, <laughs> oh, you have such a beautiful smile. All right. Thanks so much to Dr. Elliot for carving out the time. He is a dad of four and busy practice. So thank you so much for your time and your your wisdom. If you guys want to check out the Informed Pregnancy Podcast, I'll leave it in the show notes. And yeah, check him out, his website, his podcast. He is a wealth of information. All right. And again, teacher training June 24th and 25th, open to applications. Going to start the early bird, just one week of early bird pricing for you guys who are really sure you want to get in on it. Thank you so much to Asa Watkins, sound engineer. And if you would honor me with a five-star rating and a review, Wherever you get your podcasts, it would mean so much to me. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. If you just like hearing the sound of my voice, Greener Grass and the Digitant Network as well. We are, uh, we have a parent of a trans kid this week and we are just hitting diverse topics and it is, it's fun. It's a fun ride. All right, my friends, hope you have a wonderful week over and out. This is the Expecting Your Eyes podcast with Digitant Podcasts.